Hello and welcome back to my podcast, Facing Fears and Shifting Gears, a podcast about mental health and neurodiversity and how difficult times in our lives often lead us to positive breakthroughs and change. My name is Leslie Reyes and I'm the author of The Zen of Learning to Ride a Motorcycle. I've worked as a psychiatric and chemical dependency nurse in the past and I've also struggled with mental health issues myself. I was recently diagnosed on the autism spectrum in my 50s, so I created this podcast because I want to help those of you who are struggling with mental health and neurodivergence issues. I want to help you navigate the healthcare system so you can get the help you need in order to thrive. So today I want to talk about something that adults on the autism spectrum often struggle with and it often prevents them from feeling good and thriving, called executive functioning skills, or in our case, executive dysfunction. So what what does that mean? Executive dysfunction and what are executive functioning skills exactly? So executive functioning is just basically a person's ability to execute activities and process information. So basically executive functioning would be to be very organized in your life, to have excellent planning skills, to be able to pay attention to details. And here on AutismAwarenessCenter.com, it says inhibition is impulse control, the ability to have emotional, cognitive, or physical reactions that aren't acted upon in the moment. So when a person with ASD starts information downloading all the names and songs of their favorite 500 K-pop groups, this would be a lack of cognitive impulse control. So according to AutismAwarenessCenter.com, inhibition is impulse control. That would be things like stimming, picking your nails, picking your skin, uh, or, you know, getting involved in a special interest. Like this would be considered a lack of cognitive impulse control. You know, so there's flapping, stimming, emotional, um, different ways to emotionally calm oneself. So I don't know if I would think of it as inhibition as much as it is um, neurostimulation. Like if a person's getting overly stimulated who's on the spectrum, they're going to have a hard time kind of sitting still and staying staying calm. Like they're going to want to do stuff like pick at their fingers or, you know, wag their foot or, or fidget or rock back and forth to sort of try to soothe themselves. So... I'm not sure I agree with AutismAwarenessCenter.com about the inhibition. Um, There is something called meltdowns, though, that really, I think that that's probably one of the most damaging symptoms of being on the spectrum. And it might be tied in with this. When a person who's on the spectrum gets overwhelmed with stimuli, so they're, they're somewhere where it's loud, it's noisy, Um, There are electronic devices going off. There's a bright fluorescent light overhead. And that person starts to get overwhelmed. And then three people start talking to that person at once, the person who's on the spectrum. And they just, a lack of inhibition control, but it's almost like a seizure. When a adult or child on the spectrum is having a meltdown, it's not something that they're doing to try to control or manipulate people around them. They're not gaining anything positive by having a meltdown. In fact, they're usually humiliated and feel really horrible and stupid about themselves. I know I've had some meltdowns that have caused strains 
on relationships of mine and I don't blame the people for creating distance from me. Another thing that's difficult for people who are on the autism spectrum is cognitive flexibility, which is basically just being able to go with the flow. I've always thought that I was a go with the flow person, but it turns out when I deviate from my routines and my structure that it's really hard for me to get back into that structured pattern. So for instance, let's say I have, I'm on a roll with a really good diet and I'm eating really healthy and I'm eating a lot of salads and I'm eating a lot of fresh fruit and I'm eating a lot of salmon and things like that. And then I one day find myself, my schedule is kind of messed up and I didn't have time to cook. And so I go to McDonald's and start eating French fries and sodas then it's hard for me to get back onto the lettuce and to the salads and the vegetables. Um, and even in um, jobs I've had where I've been expected to multitask, I will not, I will not multitask anymore. I, I don't think anybody should be multitasking, even if you're not on the autism spectrum. But like if I'm trying to do, type something or do something at work and the phone rings and I'm expected to answer it, There were times when sometimes I wouldn't even hear the phone ringing. I'd be so focused on what I'm doing. But as soon as I broke that concentration to answer the phone and then deal with that, it was like I couldn't get back to what I had been doing originally. Or I'd even just forget what I was doing originally until two days later when the topic would come up and I had something that I was supposed to do two days earlier that I never completed. It was like, oh yeah, that's right. I got a phone call in the middle of when I was doing that. I I think a lot of people are able to just, the phone rings, they answer the phone, they deal with it, they hang up the phone, they go back to what they're doing and they finish their project. But but for me, it's literally like, I don't even remember what I was doing. And that's funny that uh, now I'm looking at the next topic. They're not calling it multitasking, they're calling it monitoring. So people with difficulties with executive functioning skills have difficulty monitoring. It's an unconscious process that kicks in when we are on autopilot doing normal tasks. For instance, you're walking down the street and talking to someone. You're walking down the street and chewing gum at the same time. So only a small part of your brain is engaged in walking because you already know how to walk. So you don't really need to monitor the the walking. So what happens with somebody who is having who has difficulties with executive functioning skills, if you are tired or overloaded or neurologically overloaded in some way, um, you might find yourself bumping into things, tripping over your feet, forgetting what you're trying to say. So yeah, I just honestly though, when it comes to multitasking, whether you're on the spectrum or not, I think it's a bad idea. I had a, uh, a grammar school teacher She used to get so irritated because everyone would be doing their homework while they're watching TV or they'd admit that they, you know, they did their homework while they were watching TV. And she said, would say a person who does two things at the same time does two things poorly. So the reason I'm bringing these up is because if you are on this spectrum or suspect you're on the spectrum, you're having trouble getting the help and diagnosis you need. I would say my first step towards getting the help that you need would be to find an executive functioning coach. Um, Most likely it won't be covered by insurance if you live in the United States. And um, I don't even think, it doesn't necessarily have to be a doctor. I have executive functioning coaches. Um, They're 
they're psychotherapists. Um, I also want to mention that, and I think this is interesting. I know one of my cousins is a doctor. And when she got her first position as a physician in the hospital that she still works in today, they assigned these new physicians executive coaches. It was like mandatory for them to see this executive coach for the first nine months that they were employed as physicians. And my cousin said she enjoyed her executive function therapist so much that she's been working at this hospital for 20 years now and she still checks in with this executive functioning coach. And she tells me like it'll be like even things about like those little social cues at work, which I miss. You know, I miss them. Like I never, I can never read the room. And my cousin was telling me like, she'll go in and somebody said, oh, I like your earrings. And she'll just be like, oh, thank you. And then start talking about the patients or whatever's going on in the hospital. And her coaches are like, you know, you're to be polite, you should say something back, you know? And if you're on the spectrum, that just seems like really ridiculous. But if you're trying to work <laughs> in a professional setting with other adults, and you're on the spectrum, you do not naturally have those kind of social skills. And that's part of executive functioning. So, you know, this was something I didn't know. I knew my cousin and I, we grew up, I've known her, I'm two years older than her. We've known each other since the day she was born. Um, And I remember she did not speak the first three to four years of her life, maybe five. And, um, but back then, you know, being on the spectrum wasn't on, wasn't on the radar. So, you know, she went to speech therapy and eventually she started talking, but we were comparing a lot of notes and I've always struggled so hard and felt so much shame about my quote unquote lack of adulting skills. Like just feeling like I can't get my house in order. I can't get my, my finances in order. So hearing like from my cousin telling me that this is something that the hospital was mandating to all the new physicians. And it totally makes sense because most people who become doctors and physicians or work in the medical field, our brains are really different. You know, the, the scientific brain can be very different. And the hospital sort of recognized that that was a need that these particular, they, you know, these could be extremely talented doctors and psychiatrists and surgeons, but you go to their house and it's a mess. (laughs) Like they don't know when their next bills are due. So it totally was something I just learned. My cousin just recently told me that she had this executive functioning therapy mandated by the hospital. And like, she just carried on with it because it's helped her so much. And like, wow, wow. I really could have used some executive functioning therapy when I was younger and older, Um, but I did. I finally got myself an executive functioning coach. And that is the thing that gave me the skills to then start to be able to even look for the right neuropsychologist or therapist to give me a diagnosis in case I wanna go back to the bed and do bedside nursing, I will probably need a, um, an official diagnosis and some accommodations. Um, but like I said, I couldn't even begin to start looking for the right, um, diagnostician for myself until I had some executive functioning skills and I'm still in executive functioning skill therapy. I'm still trying to come up with, uh, the best routines to keep so that I don't have to live my life just trying to organize myself. (laughs) 
I could actually have some kind of a system in my life, have things kind of organized and have a process for how I'm going to execute the things in my life that need to be executed. Like when I need to go and do something, how to just start doing it. So to close, I would just like to say if once again, if you are an adult and you feel like you might be an undiagnosed, um, start Googling it (laughs) and, um, and, and start from there because then you're going to have the skills to start being able to recognize the reasoning for instance, like that's one of the executive functioning skills that can be a challenge reasoning. You're going to be able to say, no, that doctor's probably not right for me because A, B, and C. I need a doctor who has, who's going to do this, that, and the other. I, I feel that, you know, if you can cultivate better executive functioning skills, you're going to be better able to take care of yourself in other areas. So once again, I just want to thank you for joining me on my podcast My name is Leslie Reyes. I'm the author of The Zen of Learning to Ride a Motorcycle, and this has been Facing Fears and Shifting Gears. I hope to see you again soon.